We are here today to celebrate that risen King, to celebrate His death, burial, and resurrection. That is why we are here, and that is why we come to observe communion together. So why don't you have a seat? Thank you to our worship team. Incredible time of celebration today. If you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to open it with me to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11 is where we will make a home this morning. I hope you're having a good New Year so far. How are your New Year's resolutions holding out? Okay, all right. That's all I needed to know, right? It's day six and we're already uh, hanging it up, but that's all right. Some of you are like, you know what? Uh, Yesterday was bad. Today I'm going to go eat Mexican food. Hey, can I just tell you amen to that? All right. (laughs) Hashtag enabling pastor. So uh, there you go. I'm really glad you're here today because today is a very special day as we're taking some time to observe communion together, the Lord's Supper, perhaps you've heard it called, and it's going to be a wonderful time for us to think about what communion is, why is it important to us, and why it matters for Christ followers. And we're calling this message today, Reset. And I know that my beard may be hiding it, but you need to understand I'm a millennial, okay? Uh, okay, nobody. All right. So everybody knew if you want to put me in a box. Okay. I guess I'm a millennial. Okay. Uh, but here's the thing. And so I I think some other millennials and even younger than that could probably confirm, uh, just by virtue of being younger, you become like the tech expert in any room, right? Okay. So how many of you have ever pulled this? Like you look around for the youngest person and you're like, Hey, I need some help with my phone. Right. Some of you have done that. Right. Uh, computers and all that kind of stuff. And let me just level with you. I, I consider myself tech savvy to a certain extent. I, I try to keep up with trends. I feel like I'm good at that kind of stuff to a certain degree. But another thing that, that some of you already know about me is that I can be a little bit impatient. And so for me, when I'm working with computers, there are times and you may have this problem, too, where you click it and it doesn't happen quickly. So you click it like another hundred times thinking that maybe that will help. OK. And, and before long, it's not doing anything. You get the dreaded hourglass or if you're a Mac person, the spinning beach ball. And, you know, man, I've really done it now. I have messed this thing up and I can sometimes get it into such a situation where there's no hope for it. And the only thing left to do is completely reset it. OK, unplug it from the wall and wait for a minute, and plug it back in, you know, control, alt, delete a couple times, whatever you got to do. Sometimes you just have to turn the whole thing off and turn it back on again to make it work right. Well, I know that in my life, there are moments where, again, impatience maybe or just having too many things going on at one time that I get to a point in my life where there's so much going on that my life is just seemingly the spinning beach ball or the hourglass. I'm not going anywhere, but it seems like I'm running a million miles an hour, but it's like I'm on a treadmill. I'm not moving at all. And it's in those kind of moments that I find myself needing a reset moment in my life. For me, communion has always been that type of moment. It's been a reset moment for me where I stop and remember, this is actually what life is all about. 
So today what we're going to do is just take some time to think about this, think about what it means for us. Uh, That's what we do when we observe communion. We are unplugging from our regular rhythm of worship, our regular liturgy, if you will. And, And you need to know something. We never have what we would just say an ordinary Sunday. Every now and then we may use that lingo. In fact, you know, we have our Christmas decorations down and I even uttered that phrase a couple times. I'm ready for just a normal Sunday. But here's the reality. Every time that we as the people of God are going to gather together, uh, Pastor Lathaniel and our worship team, they are prayerfully considering what the Lord would have us sing and these truths that we would lift up in song. And, and whether it be me or one of our other pastors, we are intentionally saying, Lord, what do you want us to say to your people? So there is never just an ordinary Sunday, but we do kind of develop a liturgy or a rhythm of worship in our congregation. So you will notice that there are times where we kind of intentionally stop from our normal so that we can focus on something different. And that's what communion does for us. It's kind of a change up from the ordinary so that we can kind of unplug and think about what God is doing in our lives. So before we even really get started, I want us just to take a moment to pray and ask God to help us today. I don't know how your week's been. I don't know how your new year is going so far, but I do know this. Uh, We all need the Lord's help this morning if we're going to really be able to grasp what's happening here. So with that said, why don't you just bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'm going to let you just do some business with the Lord this morning. I want to ask you right now just to talk to the Lord and ask Him to speak to you today through His Word. Now I want you to ask the Lord to remove any distractions from your heart or your head, your mind, that might be stopping you from hearing His truth today. Now I want you to ask the Lord that if there's anybody in here today who doesn't know Him, that today would be the day that they meet Jesus. Lord, You have heard our prayers. And we're thankful for a God that listens and hears and responds to the prayers of his people. Speak to us now as we open your word together. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll start in verse 17. Quite a few verses to go over today, but it's going to be good. Starting in verse 17, the word of the Lord says this, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. So not a strong start, right? Uh, now, you just need to understand, really throughout this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he's going to be kind of encouraging them, but also correcting them. So uh, the church in Corinth, not a, a lot unlike the church in Wichita that is Crossroad, okay? Not a perfect church because it's full of imperfect people just like you and me. 
So there are some things that they're doing that are great. And Paul says, attaboy, there are some things that they're doing that are not so great. And Paul says, what are you doing? So he has just come out of a section where he has said, hey, you're doing great. You're coming to worship in such a way that it's not distracting your neighbors and causing them to think uh, poorly of you. It's, called, it's actually a way that's wanting them to come see what's happening for the sake of the gospel. So he's just commended them, but now what's he say in verse 17? Like, hey, I don't commend you on this, so buckle up. He's got some some uh, correction coming here. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you are together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things. I will give directions when I come. So pretty harsh passage there. He comes down on them, but he's also instructing them. I pointed out in the first service, that last verse, he goes, uh, there's more, but I'll talk about it when I get there. Yikes, right? Like that's a, it's like the old mom or dad, like we'll talk about it when we get home. You know that's not going to work out well. They put out on the church sign that week, the Apostle Paul's here Sunday. They're finding something else to do, right? They're not going to be there that day. So he has some things to encourage them about, but also some things to kind of confront them on. And we'll get to those here in just a minute. But I want to just say, as we gather here today to observe communion from the very beginning, that, that if you're new to this, if you are new to church, if you don't have a church background, if you're not familiar with communion and the Lord's Supper, other than just maybe movies and things like that, what you're going to hear today is pretty shocking. Some very graphic and strange language that we wrap around this. And it's really designed to shock us and cause us to stop and think. Communion, or the Lord's Supper, as maybe you've heard it called, is a spiritual ordinance of the church that was established by Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus established this ordinance. He actually modeled it for us with his disciples at what we commonly refer to as the Last Supper. And it's there that Jesus took the bread and he broke the bread and said, take and eat, this is my body broken for you. And then he passed the cup and said, take and drink, this is my blood poured out for you. 
If that sounds graphic and weird to you, let me just confirm, this is graphic and weird. This is strange. If, if you were to go and eat dinner at a friend's house and they passed bread and said, hey, this is my body, eat up. This is not normal language and it shouldn't be normal to us. Do you remember when a big crowd walked away from Jesus? You may not remember this. Sometimes, sometimes people think Jesus was just uber popular his entire ministry. But there was a point after he fed 5,000 people that people started hanging out, right? Like they heard the fish fry was happening. They're like, I'm down. Let's do it. And they get there and Jesus holds out his arm and says, take a bite of my flesh. And thousands of people walked away and said, this dude's crazy. This language is really in the same vein. It's radical, confrontational language, if you will. What Jesus was doing was inviting his disciples to participate in his suffering, to know his suffering, to remember what he was going to be doing in the days ahead. Jesus didn't give real specific instructions. He didn't tell us how often to do this. Some churches do it every single week. Some churches, the church that that I came from, did it once a quarter. And here at Crossroad, we do it on the first Sunday of every month. We've chosen to do that just because we want this to be fresh when we do it. We don't want this to slip into a religious ritual. This isn't to say that churches that do it with different frequencies are wrong. This is just what we as a church have chosen to do. But what we're doing as often as we do it, however often we do it, is we are intentionally stopping to remember what Jesus has done for us, how great his sacrifice for us was, that his body was broken for us. That his blood was poured out for us. This is the good news of the gospel. That every single one of us had sinned and our sin had separated us from a holy God. A God who had created us to worship him and enjoy him forever. But because of our sin, we were separated from God. And we tried to fix ourselves, but we couldn't do it. That separation remained, but God loved us enough That he sent Jesus to come into the world and Jesus lived a perfect and holy life. Yet Jesus hung up on that cross, bloodied and beaten. And he hung up on that cross. And if you think the physical anguish and pain was bad, then imagine the spiritual anguish and pain Jesus was under. As the very wrath of God for all mankind's sins was dumped out on Jesus as he hung on the cross. And he died and he took Sin with him to the grave. But the Bible says three days later, he rose again, bringing his righteous life to all who would call on him as Savior. So as we gather to observe communion today, we're actively remembering this sacrifice, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and what it means for us today. His death, burial, and resurrection was real, and it really matters, and it really changes us today. That's why we observe communion. So that's the Cliff Notes version of the Lord's Supper or communion. And I want you to be able to understand what's going on here today, especially, again, if this is maybe new to you, if you don't have a church background, I want to just kind of explain that for you. But there's another group of you here. And that other group, I would say, is probably characterized by the fact that as I was explaining the Lord's Supper, you were critiquing the way that I was explaining the Lord's Supper. Yeah, I got caught a couple of you. Okay. The first, ser- first service, like you could just feel it like, ah, oh, he knows, <laughs> right? 
Here's why I say that. Some of you are like me, and you were born on like the second pew of your church, right? And you were in church your entire life, and you have seen this your entire life and experienced this your entire life. And can I just tell you, there are a lot of really, really great blessings that come from that. I'm very thankful that that I experienced that. But I can also tell you this, that if we're not careful, we end up missing out on the glorious pictures that we see here because these graphic pictures aren't really graphic to us anymore. We're almost desensitized to thinking about what Jesus went through on our behalf. The amazing and crazy symbolism that we see here is lost on us. This becomes something that we just go ahead and do. We don't actually reflect and remember. We just kind of come in here and do this thing. So this morning as we read through this passage, I want us to pay attention to what God is calling us to do. Because I think both people, both groups that we've talked to, people who maybe are very familiar with this and people who aren't familiar with this, this passage addresses you. Because when you're reading through this, don't you get a feeling that the church in Corinth knew what was happening, but they had somewhere along the way begun to take communion for granted. The text here tells us they were fighting, that there was some sin in their fellowship, there were some bad things going on. They're, again, just like us, an imperfect church, trying to be who God wanted them to be. But communion was something that they had just started to happen and let it go. They just kind of took it for granted. But Paul, he's going to start off this section by saying what I think is pretty harsh. He says, you guys would be better off not even doing it. It's essentially what he says here in the text. It would be better for you not to even do it. Did you know that there is a way you can go to church and worship that would almost be better for us not to do it? This is strong language, but you need to think about this. If we just come in here and, and, okay, we got our music time. I don't really like this song. Oh, it's a Chris Tomlin song. Both hands up. Let's do it. Right? I don't know this one. I'm just not going to sing. Man, he's preaching a long time. Doesn't he know that kickoff is at noon? Man, I should have got another donut. Any of you gauge your sermon by how many donuts you really need to make it through? Oh, that's just me. Okay, sorry. It's just the preacher. Think, thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch the whole time here. He gave me permission to get off of my resolution, so I'm doing it. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5, guard your steps when you go to the house of the Lord. We talked last week about expecting God to show up. Did you come today expecting to encounter God? Did you come today expecting to worship, expecting to meet with the Lord? Paul says the way you are doing this might be better for you to not even do it. There were fights and divisions, their sin marring their fellowship and lost in the fray of their religious rituals and struggles and their fighting was communion. They're just going through the motions in the midst of a sacred ordinance given to us by Jesus himself. The text tells us they weren't taking communion as a family. People were showing up and uh, getting their fill of the bread and the wine before it said they were getting full and they were getting drunk. Can you imagine this? And not only this, in verse 22, uh, Paul says, hey, why don't you all just eat at home? This is not a meal. This is more than physical nourishment. This is about spiritual nourishment. So what we're going to see here before we jump into the applications of this text 
is a very strong warning from the Apostle Paul. Now, let's just level with each other. You recognize if you read this, you're like, hey, these problems aren't happening in our church. Like when somebody comes in the back, there wasn't any, nobody was like opening their purse and scooping the bread into it. Okay. And if anybody's getting drunk off of the grape juice back there, then we've left it out too long or something. Right. I mean, so, so this same situation isn't happening here. We don't take communion at different times. It's very regulated. And you think, well, what's the problem, Pastor Rusty? Nothing like that's happening here. But let me just tell you the same heart problem, the underlying issue that was happening to the church in Corinth, I think happens in our church. I think it's very easy for us to just come in and do this thing, take the bread, take the cup and go on about our lives without ever stopping to think about what this means. But the strong warning from Paul here in the text is, don't be casual about this. Don't just do this. Instead, we're called to think about what we're doing. This isn't something that we just cram into the first Sunday of every month. There are probably even some of you today that unintentionally just kind of checked out when you realized we were just doing a communion service. I think this happens to us. But the call of this text is to be intentional. To stop and think about what this is that we're doing. The Bible makes it very clear that this ordinance from Jesus Christ for his church is for believers. As we stop and think about what this is we're doing, I want you to understand today that communion or the Lord's Supper is an ordinance that is for believers, for Christ followers. Here at Crossroad, we practice what we call open communion, and that's what really, it's a, it's a theological term, it's not just us. Open communion means this, you don't have to be a member of our church, but if you are a Christ follower, we welcome you to join us in observing communion today, if you're a Christ follower. But the Bible is very clear that this is for believers. So I just want to tell you, if you are new to church or if you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet and you're still kind of seeking and asking questions, let me just tell you this. We are super glad that you're here today. And I think this is an excellent day to be here because you are seeing the church in action. You are seeing the church as we reflect upon the truth of the gospel. What we're doing here today is why we're here today and every other Sunday and why we're trying to follow Jesus every single moment of every single day. So this is a wonderful opportunity for you to kind of think through the gospel, for you to ask questions maybe of your friends that are here or of somebody sitting near you, or maybe go home and read the Bible and think through some of this. But I want to ask you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, when, when the elements of the Lord's Supper are passing by, just let it pass by. You don't have to take anything. You say, well, that'll make me feel weird. Can I tell you, nobody's looking at you. And if they are, they need to be looking inward. We're not looking around. We're looking in and asking God to evaluate our hearts. We, we, I don't see a whole lot of kiddos in here, but sometimes we'll have kiddos. And I just want to tell you, sometimes it's easy for us to, uh, just so they'll be quiet, to just let them have it. You know, like throw some bread at them and throw a cup at them. I understand how that works as a parent. But if your kids don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, if they haven't had that moment where they come to saving faith, then this is not a time for them to just have the the bread and the juice. But can I tell you what this is? This is a wonderful opportunity, parents, to have conversations with your kids later because it will generate some conversation. There's no doubt about it. I I know that many uh, 
kids, even teenagers, and even adults over the years as we've had communion services have given their lives to Christ because of a communion service because it got them thinking about what this meant and what this looks like and what the gospel is. So we're really glad you're here. If you are an unbeliever today or if you're a skeptic or if you're just kind of leaning in and thinking about this, but this is an ordinance that's for believers. Paul says you're to think on these things, consider these things. Don't just do this because we're here and they're passing it in front of you. But hey, Christ followers in the house, you can be guilty of just letting the cup pass too, letting the bread pass and just throwing it down without thinking about it. And can I just tell you, the text here would call that taking the cup and taking the bread in an unworthy manner. And I'm not going to pretend to understand what's happening here, but did you see the shocking language in this text? Paul said, hey, some of y'all are sick and some of you have died. That's kind of shocking. I don't know what that means. I don't know what's going on there, but I do know this. I do know that this is serious and this is something that we as the people of God need to be careful and mindful of as we observe communion together. For me, it would have made sense for Paul after this kind of this strong warning, like, don't just do this. Think about it. It would have made sense for Paul to be like, okay, step one, do this. Step two, do this. Like, it would have made sense for him to do that. But we're not going to see this in this text. He's not going to give us really any specifics. Can I just tell you that most of your ideas of communion and my ideas of communion are based on tradition and not on the word of God? Most of them are. Uh, What are we supposed to wear? What kind of juice? I've literally had somebody before tell me, Pastor... That wasn't grape juice. I saw the deacon bring it in. It was cran grape juice. Furthermore, it wasn't Welch's. I just told him, don't worry, next time it will be wine. I will see to it. No, I'm kidding. We don't see specifics. We, we don't see specifics about what to wear. I grew up in a tradition that on Lord's Supper Sunday, you dressed up. The first Sunday that I was a senior pastor, I'll never forget the week before, I, I knew that we were observing communion together as a church. So I was with our deacons and I said, okay guys, so are we wearing suits next week? And I thought they were going to laugh me out of the room. And I was like, oh, so we're not, which I told the first service is really a missed opportunity. If they would have been smart, they would have been like, yes, Rusty. Yes, we're all wearing suits. That would have been great, but they just missed that opportunity. You know what they said, though? They were like, show me that in the Bible. And I was like, well, I promise you it's in here. Okay, it's not. I don't see a lot of how-to and a lot of instructions. In fact, in verse 23 is where it starts. And basically, Paul says, here's what the Lord told me. Take the bread. This is my body. Take the cup. This represents my blood poured out for you. So simple, yet so profound. So while we don't see all the formalities and physical instructions, what we do see is a spiritual application. So what I want us to do is look at three words. okay? And they all start with the same letter, so I get extra preacher points for that. But these words will help us kind of wrap our hearts and minds around what it is that we're doing here today. The first word is this, remember. Remember. I really don't understand this. I truly mean this. I don't understand why it is so easy for us to forget about the cross of Christ. Sure, we we know the cross. 
But how quickly we take for granted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. The cross has become just a beautiful decoration to us and sometimes just a sentimental symbol. But the cross is where Jesus was brutally murdered and was hung to die. And on that cross, your sins and my sins, the wrath of God for those was poured out upon Christ. It should be a stark reminder of Christ's atoning death for us. That's why communion is important, because can I tell you something? It's hard to take the death of Christ for granted when you have a piece of bread and the text says, Take and eat, this is my body, broken for you. Take and drink, this is my blood, poured out for you. This is intense, isn't it? How dare we observe this so flippantly? No wonder Paul was... So frustrated with the Corinthian church. I wonder what Paul would say about me today. I wonder what Paul would say about us as a church. But today is an opportunity for us to really stop and remember what Christ has done for us. To be faced with the harsh reality of the cross. To actively remember what Jesus has done for us. But this isn't just a call to remember his death. I love verse 25. Paul writes, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The blood that Jesus shed has covered our sins and has guaranteed a new covenant. So the remembering of the graphic and brutal death of Jesus, the atoning death of Jesus, gives way to the remembrance that brings joy and celebration. Because as often as we do this, as often as we observe the Lord's Supper together, we are reminded not only that Jesus died for our sins, but that He rose to give us new life. And that the scoreboard is gone and we are in a new covenant with Christ where His righteous life is given to us. We remember Jesus and His gospel as we observe communion together. The second word I want us to consider is repent. Repent. Now this is a a really... kind of part of the remembering process, if we're honest, but I wanted us to intentionally see this thought. Verse 28 says, let a person examine himself before taking communion. This isn't just something we do, like we've already been saying, but instead we're called to search our hearts and to confess and repent of our sins. Now, repent is a churchy word that really, to be honest, has has waned in popularity. We don't like to use the word repent. Why? Because repenting means that we've been doing something wrong and nobody likes to admit that they're wrong. Right? I've got little kids and I'm just telling you, they already know the blame game really well. Could have sworn our one month old the other day was trying to tell on somebody. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's just moving those arms around. It's like, wow, already. Well, we don't like to be confronted with the fact that we are not in the right, that we are not living correctly. But can I tell you something? This is where I think we've gotten repentance wrong. Repentance is a word that for us is associated with guilt 
and shame and our failure. And we find ourselves when we talk about repentance is just so sobering and it hurts. And we just try to avoid it altogether because it makes us feel weird and it makes us feel bad. And let me just tell you that with conviction, I think sometimes a sober mind and heart and a convicted heart and even guilt and pain and sorrow comes with that. But can I tell you what repentance really is? The word repent literally means to turn around. You're going one direction. I'm living for myself. I'm going my own way, doing what I think is best for my life. It doesn't matter what God says. I'm going this direction. But to repent is to turn around and to return to the Lord. So it's a getting to a point where you say, I'm done living for myself. I'm tired of living my own way. Instead, I'm going home. This is what repentance is. So do you understand that for Christ followers, repentance should actually be a joyful thing. Repentance is a moment where you kind of come to your senses and recognize I've been living for myself. I've been wasting my life. You know what? I'm going back to Jesus. Repentance should be a joyful thing for Christ followers. In a few moments, we're going to have a time to reflect and to pray. I want you to intentionally just have time to talk to God and say, I'm coming home. I'm coming back where I know I need to be. It's repentance. Finally, this is also a time for us to recommit. To recommit. New year, new you, right? Okay, nobody. All right. Man, I'm just telling you, I am like a total sap for New Year's and New Year's resolutions. I have journals upon journals of journals with like two pages written in it uh, of when I started and determined, man, this is the year. This is the year. I'm doing it this time. But I'll tell you this, New Year's resolutions, I think, get a lot of hate. And, you know, most of the studies are about how people fail so quickly. You know, Uh, the percentage of people who keep them going even a month is staggeringly low. And then it gets even more ridiculous as it goes on. But I'll just tell you this. uh, The reality is uh, that on the other side of that research, it says that I can't remember what the total is, but I want to say it's uh, like 40 percent chance of actually doing something if you set a resolution. So the idea is that if you're not even trying, then you're definitely not going to do anything. Okay, that's the reality. The odds may not be in your favor because your willpower is not that strong. But the idea is not just to say (laughs) I'm going to fail anyways, not going to do it. Because the reality is you are going to, uh, if you don't take a shot, then you're never going to make a shot. I believe it was Wayne Gretzky who said you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. So that's the, okay, so, okay, yeah, a few people. So, like, that's the idea here. If you don't ever try, then you're never going to do anything. So I just want to tell you, uh, this is not a, a pep talk for resolutions. I'm not trying to tell you all to go home and make a resolution today. But what I am saying is this. This is a perfect time for us as we're in this season to recommit to the mission God's called us to. Here's the great thing about our God. If you're like me and you love fresh starts, you love the new year, the Bible tells us that his mercies are new every single day. Every day is a blank page. Every moment is a fresh start. This text calls us to recommit to the mission God's given us. To, the mission's clear. You see it everywhere here as you walk out. You see it literally lit up in lights to reach, teach, live in love like Jesus. It's an opportunity to recommit to your church. There's a clear call in this text to, hey, remember, you're a family. When you come together, wait for one another. 
Eat at home so that you can come together and do what you're supposed to do as a family. Some of you may be here today because it's the new year, new you, and you're like, I'm going back to church. Starting the new year off right, I'm coming to church. Can I tell you, don't let it be like your diet. When you miss a week in a few weeks, don't wait till next January to come back. We want to be your family. We want to walk together with you as we reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. We are meant to be doing this together. That's what makes this church this church. We're not here trying to put on a show. We're trying to be a family that's running after Jesus together and fulfilling his mission. Communion is an amazing chance for you to remember his gospel, to repent, to turn around back to the things he would call us to, but also to recommit to your love for Jesus and your love for his people so that we can recommit together to his mission. That's what this is all about, and that's what God wants to do in and through his people today. I'm going to ask Pastor Lathaniel to begin making his way up here. We're going to do something a little different today. We're, we're going to enter into a time of reflection and prayer. Pastor Lathaniel is just going to sing a song over us, but this is not a performance. This isn't a call for us to sit here and listen to Pastor Lathaniel. What I want you to do during this song is to just do business with the Lord. Take time, literally, and you're going to have a few moments here. And then we're going to distribute the elements. So this is going to be a little different. There's going to be some awkward, quiet time in here. But can I tell you, it's designed to intentionally give us nothing else to do but to think about what we are doing together here today. To think about what God has done for us and our response to his gospel. As we've been talking today, maybe you would say, I really need to do some business with the Lord. I want to tell you this altar is open. We're just going to be sitting in our chairs. You can do business with God right there, but can I tell you, sometimes there's something special about physically responding. Our pastors will be up front. If you need someone to pray with, they'll be sitting up here somewhere on this front row. We would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, as we've talked about the gospel, I just feel the need to respond today. If you want to give your life to Christ, then we are ready to pray with you through that. And then you can observe communion with your family this morning. That would be an awesome thing. But I want you to do business with the Lord in this time as we pray and reflect. Remember Repent and recommit in this time of prayer. And after the song, I'll give us further instructions as we prepare our hearts and prepare to observe communion together. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes?